More Sports Now podcast covering New York and New Jersey sports on moresportsnow.com. I'm Steve Tichner in our Jersey studio. And since we are practicing social distancing, my partners, Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey are on the line. And guys, we'll all agree that sports takes a, a back seat when it comes to human lives here. And, and here we are in the in the thick of this pandemic here and in New York City and uh, North Jersey certainly has seen the worst of it, of course, being the most densely populated uh, part of the country. And uh, you have to wonder, you know, how far it goes, how long it lasts. And, you know, football season is in the fall. I mean, will it go that far? How deep in the summer does it go? You know, the Olympics, I thought Japan did a good job just saying, hey, look, we're going to go a year. We're going to July 2021. That was a a good call on their end. And, um, you know, we'll have to see how it all uh, plays out. But again, as I said, uh, certainly sports takes a backseat to human lives. Well, there's no question that it does. Uh, This is a crisis like any other, uh, unlike any other that we have faced. I mean, we've been through an awful lot with 9-11. Of course, we had the financial crash about 10, 11 years ago. Older listeners could talk about living through World War One or even back through the Depression coming out of it. I mean, there have been moments like this, but not like this. Uh, you have to go back to the 1918-1919 uh, flu that you know killed so many people mm-hmm. worldwide. So, yeah, this is this is new territory for all of us, and we all hope uh, that the measures we're taking to try to slow this down, flatten the curve, which will be certainly uh, that and social distancing. Those will be the two terms that come out of 2020. But uh, hopefully it works. And how long it will take, you know, as you said, Steve, nobody really knows. Uh, I think that we'll have to be prudent in that if you do flatten the curve, you don't want to rush right back into it and say, oh, everything's good and then have things flare up again. So we could be in this for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even be able to guess as to when. And Johnny, are you, um, is this more of a danger on your end? You know, Steve, um, I think it probably is. And I have to tell you, I don't know whether it's, you know, just reading about all this stuff that freaks me out or mm-hmm. whatnot. But, you know, the last couple of weeks I have, you know, I sort of been feeling, you know, you read these, different symptoms and you think, Oh God, I have that and I have that and I have that. So, you know, I don't know whether I've been putting it in my head, but Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't, you know, felt terrific, terrific over the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, I've been staying in as as everybody else has been doing Mm -hmm. been staying in the house and, um, you know, just trying to take my mind off of everything. I cannot and will not and shall not turn on the news because it's 24 seven, Mm-hmm. 365, and they're scaring the you-know-what out of everybody. Mm-hmm. I know that the information is needed and people need to know it, but I think the, the biggest information that people need to know right now is stay the heck in your house, okay? I mean, that is the one tried-and-true way that you're going to keep yourself, and if you do have it, keep others healthy, is that you stay away from other people and the whole social distancing thing, and so... You know, I think that that, as Matt said, hopefully people will adhere to that and it will slow this down. Um, And then, as he said, I don't want, hopefully people don't rush right out again and, you know, this thing flares back up again. But I really and truly think that people are going to be freaked out and spooked out unless and until there is a cure for this thing. And there's the panacea where you can go to your doctor's office 
and he puts a shot in your arm, and you're mm-hmm. you're you're going to be good because, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly going to be freaked out by all of that. I, I don't know when I'm going to be congregating with tons of people or, or getting out and doing that type of thing, and so it uh, it really is is has scared me and and folks that I know. Um, into just really listening and staying hunkered down right where we are. And then there's sports, guys. Sports is a great distraction, and although they're not playing, there's still news out there, and some actually very good news. And let's uh, let's go to Rutgers, who have had a huge, huge, huge day uh, just uh, on uh, on Sunday with Cliff Omarui uh, signing on to come to the banks, and uh, you know. Steve Peichel has done a lot with what he has, and he does have talent. I don't want to say that there's not talent on that team, but the one thing that was missing was that that big, big recruit and that that NBA-type talent that could put them to the next level and possibly put them to the top of the Big Ten. And there it is in, in Cliff Omarui. Six foot ten, seven foot five wingspan. Uh, you know, a, a guy who needs more polish because he started the game late, as many um, African uh, uh, players do. But uh, boy, the uh, you cannot deny the athleticism there, and it's it's a very exciting exciting time for uh, Rutgers basketball. No doubt, on the heels of the great season that they had on the floor, as I've said on our podcast many many times that not only do wins on the court matter, but wins in living rooms and in kitchens, especially for prospects in the Garden State, um, as Cliff has been uh, living here in Jersey since he's come to the States. It's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's not only huge, you know, literally and figuratively, because he's a giant man, but for the credibility around the country, that, that, that it sends the message to other recruits, that might not be in New Jersey, that, wow, wait, Rutgers just pulled this guy? I played with him, you know, in the Adidas camp out in Vegas, and he was awesome, or I played with him on the AAU circuit, and that guy's going to Rutgers? Oh, my gosh, and they won 20 games last year, and their they're building is really loud, and so, you know, he's really building something that's big here, and um, this was just the cherry on top of a, of a tremendous season. Now, the one thing to... To keep in mind with Cliff is that at this point, he's really a defensive presence, a shot blocker, a, a menace in the paint. His offensive game is way behind. He's more of just a tip-in guy and a dunk guy. He has no face-up to the basket offensive game. But you know what? That's something that you can teach mm-hmm. with drop steps and step-throughs and whatnot with good coaching. You can't teach 6'11", you know, 225, and a wingspan, as you mentioned, Steve, so... This is a home run, a slam dunk, and a uh, terrific way to end what was an awesome season on the floor for Rutgers. Matt, what do well, you think you about Omer? Well, I mean, I've not seen him play. Of course, I've read everything about him. But you can see what a defensive presence can do for a team. You only have to look up the road a little bit from Piscataway to South Orange, where Romero Gill was mm-hmm. a defensive force this year for Seton Hall. And he made it difficult for teams to get inside. He made you game plan differently. He did not have much of an offensive game coming into the season. It was his senior year, but he was able through hard work over the course of his time at Seton Hall and through the junior college ranks to develop a little bit of a touch and Ollie Oops worked and things like that. So he was able to contribute offensively, not to suggest that 
Omarui has to wait till his senior year. But it will come if you work at it, as you said, John. Uh, but you can't teach that height. And just, you know, hopefully for Rutgers, this is the start of some really good basketball. I mean, this year was a great year. Now it's always, what have you done for me lately? Let's see what mm-hmm. next year brings. But he's got a solid group coming back. And I think everyone will be excited because of the fact that they got a top 50 recruit. So it'll change how teams in the Big Ten have to game plan for Rutgers. Uh, and now they'll just have to do it. That's what changes when you go from the hunter to the hunted. It's a different ball game altogether. And I said this and wrote an article about it. And uh, uh, basically, the bottom line is, is they've got to keep these athletes in state football and basketball. And oh, by the way, uh, Greg Schiano had a couple of nice weeks there where he brought in some very good talent in New Jersey and they're ranked right now 12th in the nation, uh, in their recruiting class. Now they had a little flurry there. And so that they're not necessarily going to stay there, but right now, um, they, that, that, that's, that's, that has a nice ring to it. Uh, considering, um, you know, the cr- recruiting in the past, which was just, which was po- frankly just poor. And now to see, and and by the way, I, you know, I alluded to them being competitive in the Big Ten, not, you know, at the top of the mountain, uh, you know, they, they they still got a lot of work to do, but these teams, especially, look, the football team is, the, I mean, they, look, they were a doormat for a few years. I mean, Chris Ashes was in an impossible situation and it just, it just, never happens but now it looks like Chiano's getting moving doing what he did when he first came to Rutgers and that's keeping some players in state so that they can be competitive and then you got Steve Peichel who really you know out of the jump has as 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 you just have these guys playing hard right at the jump now you you give him talent if Peichel gets talent you're talking about uh, you know, at football and basketball, at least, that they're going to at least get into the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, which is what I thought would be possible out of the jump, but it, what, it didn't happen at first, and it is starting to happen now. You know, Steve, they can also help each other in this regard because, you know, you're a party to it. I know Matt's been down there. I've been down there. The rack rocks. I mean, that place is yeah. really loud, and you bring in good Big Ten, top 15, top 10 Big Ten teams on a Wednesday night for a 7.30 tip-off and, and, or, or a Friday night game or a Saturday game, and you have recruits, football recruits in there, and that place is rocking and rolling. And listen, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. The two of them could really work hand-in-glove in that respect where they can uh, really showcase the, the school, the university, and uh, the school pride in that building that is really loud and, and oh, by the way, not just – you know, get run over by these Big Ten teams anymore, but to actually win some of these games as they prove that they could do this year. So, you know, it's really an upswing. Who would have thought when we were doing our, you know, RU review and it was doom and gloom with mm-hmm. with the football program yeah. going down the, the toilet. And now, you know, things are really looking up. I mean, six months later, and wow, Rutgers is, has really found a um, found their groove. And, mm-hmm. and let's see where it goes from here. It's, it's an exciting time, I would assume. I would assume for you as an alumnus and for Jersey uh, folks, nonetheless. Hey, Matt, as a, as a Seton Hall alum, is there is there a natural competitiveness there on the recruiting trail? Do you look at this as something, well, could Seton Hall have gotten them, or is there just enough players out there and this is just good for Jersey basketball? Well, it's great for Jersey basketball, but yes, there there is a rivalry, and uh, both Rutgers and Seton Hall are in on a lot of the same players. Uh, to Steve Peichel's credit, uh, whatever the connection was when Omarui came to America, he was on him early and, you know, offered him a scholarship early. And that can always be rescinded. That's nothing more than a PR move, quite frankly. But in this case, it paid off 
because it let Omarui know that he had interest from the state university. They were on him early. A lot of these recruits like that. And so as the process went on, I'm sure there were moments where Rutgers wasn't sure if they were in or they were out uh, as Omarui made his visits, and et cetera. But because of the hard work that Michael did, they were able to keep him. But yeah, no, this is good. This is good for mm-hmm. college basketball uh, in New Jersey. They're, uh, they're recruiting for different conferences, so it's a little bit uh, different feel. But if a rising tide lifts all boats, so if Rutgers can be better, uh, and this year they were terrific, and Seton Hall can continue its success. It, it's great for basketball in the state, no doubt. And let's stick with uh, Seton Hall because there's more good news there. As Miles Powell, first team All American, a real credit to him. Um, you know, a phenomenal player, and uh, and uh, he gets his due uh, with that. Yeah, second Seton Hall player to be named the first team All American. You got to go back to 1953, Walter Dukes, uh, the fabled big man for the Hall. Uh, was also named first team All-American. So now he's got some company in that, in pirate history. So yeah, kudos to Miles Powell, another Jersey kid. Uh, In this case, uh, worked hard on his body as much as he did on his game to develop to the point where he could be named to a first team All-American team. And so uh, really good for him, great for Seton Hall. And now, you know, we'll see what the future holds for him. Uh, my guess is he'll have a shot at the NBA. I just don't know whether he is definitely an NBA player, but he'll have a shot and he'll certainly be a G league player and a chance to make some money and continue to develop. So it's awesome for him. And it's great for Seton hall. They have a big pair of shoes to fill, uh, next year. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, you know, Sandro Mamo Kalashvili said he's going to test the waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the way they do it now, don't yeah. hire an agent, see right. what's going on. Um, if he goes, and it might be a mistake, but I understand why a player wants to pursue the highest level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he goes, then that changes the dynamic for Seton Hall entering mm-hmm. next year. They yeah. already will have graduated uh, three key components to this year's team. They can build around Mamu Kalashvili mm-hmm. and Jared Roden, et cetera. But now if he goes as well, uh, it's a whole new ball game in South Orange. No and doubt. And, and I want to tip my hat to Miles Powell, Matt. As you mentioned, he came in as an overweight, sort of an afterthought from you know South Jersey. And he actually absolutely built himself into a first-team All-American, which is unbelievable. I mean, it's a, it's a great, great achievement, and it's a great story. He always had the talent. He just was overweight, and he was able to come to grips with that with, through coaching and through diet and through their, their training staff. He built himself into a guy that was one of the top players in the nation and someone who I can tell you is a Providence College graduate scared the you-know-what out of me every time he had the ball, especially late in the game. He was going to get it done, and if it wasn't going to go in, the ball was going to rattle around the rim and roll off, man. That thing... He never took a shot that you ever thought was like, oh, my God, that has no chance to go in. Every time he put the ball up, my heart was in my throat. And I will tell you, it was fun to watch him play for four years, especially when he wasn't playing against my team. He was a guy you could root for. He loved Seton Hall. You could see it on senior night that he was crying, and it meant so much to him. And so um, I look forward to following him into the NBA. I think there's always a spot 
for guys that can ring the bell, as I like to tell the kids on my team, we need people that can ring the bell. He can certainly ring the bell from all over the floor. And the NBA has really turned into a three-point shooting um, display anyway. So I, I think there's a spot for him. I mean, maybe not as a star, but the guy's going to make some good money making shots from deep. And it was a pleasure watching him. And um, as you mentioned, now as Sandro leaves, it's a whole new game in, in South Orange. And we'll have to see there. They might be relaxing this transfer rule where guys might not have to sit out that year. They're going to let them, um, you know, play immediately. So I know that Providence has nabbed a couple of transfers already. I see that Seton Hall's involved with a couple. And so that's something to keep your eye on. These rosters are in flux. It's time now in the spring. The AAU circuit is done. There's no visits because kids are not allowed to get on campus. So it's really thrown a monkey wrench into all of this. So I, I think rosters, as they are, are comprised right now, will look anything but that when we get to the summer months and then also into um, towards the fall. But isn't it amazing, guys, now that with the, the today's NBA – you know, there's only two rounds. You're talking about 60 players. And, you know, an All-American was like an automatic back in the day, right? But now it's it's amazing that you're questioning whether Miles Powell would even would even make it. But, I mean, it seems like you have to just be a freak of an athlete with zero weaknesses to make it in today's NBA. So you even question Miles Powell, who I think would be like maybe like a Kemba Walker type player. Um, is, is he a point guard? I mean, you, you know, he can hit the three, but it's fun. Funny how you, an All-American would be automatic, Matt, right back in the day, and now it's just not the case. Yeah, and well, also, I think, yeah. another one, excuse me, Matt, sort of Cassius Winston. I mean, is he a real can't-miss NBA guy? Yeah. He was a terrific college player, yeah. but athletically he's not, you know, off the charts, and, you know, he, he has all the intangibles of a great player, but he's another one that first-team All-American that's not a, an automatic shoe-in. I mean, I, you look at some of the, the mock drafts, and he's picked maybe – you know, late teens or into the twenties, or maybe sometimes not even in the first round. Well, think, if man? you can get that first round pick, no matter where it's at, you're in pretty good shape in terms of guaranteed money, what have you. But you know, to your point, Steve, uh, the definition of an NBA player has changed so much. John referenced the fact that it's a three point shooting league now, and it is. So if your outside shots, not there. Uh, uh, and you know, and miles had moments where it was great. And then there were moments when it just, didn't work for him. Now there was talk during the year that there was the after effect of the concussion he suffered in the Rutgers game and how long it affected him in terms of just mind and body, et cetera. Who knows? Uh, but the fact of the matter is there were games where he was abysmal shooting from the outside. So uh, it does bear watching. The other thing though, is if you look at the game from 30 years ago uh, to today, the amount of foreign players in the NBA is incredible. Mm -hmm. So it's a worldwide league by every definition. And so it's not just the best players in America. It's the best players in the world that are being drafted. And if you go up and down the rosters of just about every team in the NBA, it's not a guy at the end of the bench. One of their stars calls Europe home and or Africa home. Mm -hmm. And so it's much harder than it's ever been yeah. to get to the NBA. And then you go stay right with Seton Hall, Matt, where you just said, you know, Sandro Mamukalashvili is, is is testing the waters and you would think he'd have even more upside because he's a guy who can hit the three. He can hit the, he can hit, hit from anywhere on the court. He's got the length at 6'11". He's very athletic. You'd think that he would be a prototypical uh, NBA player. Well, I still think he needs another year. 
I think he needs more time. Um, you know, it's one thing to stand in the corner and get a pass and hit a jump shot against DePaul or uh, against Providence or against any of the better Big East teams. It's a lot different in the NBA. Like the, the transfer is incredible. There's, there's, there's no comparison in the skill level. So as good as those players are in college, it's another level altogether. So, uh, but because he can shoot from the outside and he's got length, I'm sure there'll be some team that will be attracted uh, and, and look at him. That being said, I think for the most part, the college coaches have done a much, much better job. And there's a lot more honesty because there's only two rounds, by the way, that helps um, kids who aren't quite ready. I think scouts are pretty honest and you know, the kids make for the most part, the right decision. I, you know, you remember when, because look, if you're not going to be drafted, if you're not going to be drafted in the first round, it's crapshoot. Second round, you got a shot. They'll pay attention to you, but they might be telling you, you're going to go to the G league. If you're going as a free agent, it's a long shot. So if you're someone like Sandro Mamakalashvili and they're not telling you, you are absolutely a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Then you got to think, might well, wait. why, why, right. Well, What's the upside here? Yes, I can begin my career. Uh, he would have an option that probably is not terrible for him, which is to play in Europe. He's, he's from Georgia, so um, he is European. So if, if it turns out that playing in a European league is is what's uh, his future, that probably doesn't really bother him as it might bother someone who was born and raised in New Jersey or Pennsylvania or Connecticut or New York. Mm. Uh, so he might have some options and the money is good over there too. So uh, I, you know, I understand what swirls through a kid's head, but I think the ones who are really smart are the ones who get good advice. Their college coaches are honest with them. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they make the right decision. And we'll you, see. We'll see you want to back at South orange there, Matt, you want to, you want you know, cause I tell you, they can definitely build around him. Don't you think Johnny? I mean, Seton hall may not skip a step. I mean, yeah, miles Powell's a phenomenal player, but they they'd be very good with, with Mamu Kalashvili there. Absolutely. They're going to be good. They're going to miss. Um, Quincy McKnight is, is mm-hmm. a huge miss because, you know, he's not the flash and, and all of that stuff, but he was really the glue guy on that team that, that kept everybody going. When Miles was off the floor, he was the guy that kept everybody in check and really ran the show. He was the maestro, as they like to say. So they're going to miss him. They have guys that can fill in behind it. I haven't really taken a look at their recruiting class that's coming in um, uh, as much as I'd like to, but you know, Sandra was a guy. Oh, obviously, Kevin Willard would be on his hands and knees hoping that uh, that he comes back next year because that's someone that you can build around. But you know, the college game is in flux now. As I mentioned, kids can't get to schools to take a look. Coaches can't get out on the circuit now to fill in, you know, some of the holes of some guys that are going to leave. And um, as Max said, you just hope that that these young men get the best advice that that they can, and that they just don't. You know, listen to some of the handlers that they have yeah. that tell them you're going to be an all-star, you're going to be an all-star, and you're going to be a first-round draft pick. I know there's horror stories all around. I remember one, going back to my Providence days, was, I'm sure you guys will remember this name, Don Shamgod. You remember that name? Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he, he was Shamgod Wells growing up, and it changed his name to, uh, or his God-given name was God Shamgod. <laughs> he was a phenomenal point guard who left two years on the table, went to the NBA, wasn't picked until the second round and 
sort of flamed out after two years. And then there you are as a 21 year old. Go get a job. Yeah. You're, you're playing in Luxembourg and you're playing in, you know, all these other foreign lands when you, you know, who knows, maybe two years down the road, your body, you know, gets a little bit stronger and you get taller and whatnot. And you're, you know, in the NBA for a couple of years, but some guys just listen to the wrong people. Uh, Corey Sanders. Corey Sanders, at, Corey Sanders at Rutgers. I mean, he did every year was about uh, me, me, me and going off to the next level and all that. What the last I heard he was in Georgia, the uh, country that is playing. Yeah. And, he, you know, he never, you know, he, you know, he, I don't know. He might, his, his best chance might've been staying for a senior year. And, but it was always, he was always on to the next, next uh, phase. And it, well, you know, yeah. I don't know that those kids are getting necessarily bad advice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with pursuing your dreams. Um, I, you know, how many baseball players never put foot on a college campus? Yeah. They leave mm-hmm. a school at 18 out of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. They're drafted in the seventh round. They want to take a sh- shot at pro ball, and they kick around in minor league towns across the country, never get past double A, and uh, then they're spit out, and then their rest of their life goes on. So, I agree with you, John. You need to have the right advice, but somehow we, we seem to think in basketball they're not making the right decisions, and somehow baseball gets away with it. Like, we don't seem to care that these kids, like, wow, he got drafted out of Milburn High School or he got drafted out of Westfield High School or wherever, or Bergen Catholic, you know, one of the high-powered parochial schools, and now he's got a chance, and he comes home. I mean, I can tell you of an all-state player, multiple times named all-state player from Westfield. Uh, that was a contemporary of my son who was on the team at the same time. And listen, he pursued his dream. Now he went to college. It was different. Both uh, both of the, the Murray kids did. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the end, they pursued their dream. And, you know, I mean, they're, they're successful now and there's no knock on it. But, you know, it, you know, no one said anything about leaving school early or being a problem. So theirs might be a little different because they got a little taste of college. But, you know, the fact of the matter is they wanted to pursue their dream and they were great players and it just didn't work out. So I don't I don't really find any problem with it. I guess the sad story is the kid who doesn't have anything to show for it. Uh, you know, and you read about him that, you know, he may wind up just kind of hanging out in the neighborhood. But chances are that's what he was going to do anyway, you know, quite frankly. Um, you know, we think graduating and getting that degree opens doors for everybody. It doesn't necessarily do that. But I think the advice is better these days. I think coaches, and there's always going to be somebody whispering in your ear. There's going to be a family member who says, you can help us uh, and and you'll be great. And, you know, th- those are voices that sometimes dominate. But I think for the most part, the college coaches are being honest. Because if they're not, you know, they're telling a kid, no, you're, uh, you're not going to make it. And you're not going to be drafted highly. And then he finds out from a scout, like, what did you do, man? We were going to draft you in the first round. Then that starts to filter through that recruiting trail that you're getting a bump steer. So uh, I think college coaches, they certainly have their selfish reasons for wanting to keep players, but I think they understand the way the game works. And uh, if you don't listen to the advice, that's okay. That's one thing. But I think they give you the right advice. I, I really do think they, they get the right scoop from the NBA 
and can impart that on their kids. And then those kids make a decision. Well, it's all about how, you know, putting yourself in the, uh, in the best position is really what it is. Back to Mamu Kalashvili is you might want to wait a year here is probably what he's going to hear. I would think, as you're saying, Matt, uh, or, or be, you know, jump the gun early and then be a you know late second round, and then it's a big crapshoot. Maybe just hone your skills for one more year. You know, maybe maybe Corey Sanders could have had a shot if he had did, did one more year at the Big Ten level, dominating at the Big Ten level. You just never know. It's just that you know because you need to have that um, that seasoning in in college and and to have that momentum going into the draft. And if you're you know. Right now, it's just if, if they're looking at Mamu Kalashvili, it's just going to be basically his, you know, he has put up some numbers, but they're going to say, oh, you have an NBA body, so maybe it could work. But now work another season out and then figure it out from there. Yeah, there's no better showcase than big time college basketball for guys to get uh, to get that exposure. And now with everything shut down, there'll be no combine. There's no NBA, you know, where they get together and they do the measurables and they do that you know, the kind of stuff that the NFL does with their combine. The NBA has been doing that for many, many years, too. So guys are not going to get the feedback that they're looking for. So it's sort of like the Wild West. We'll have to see what sort of decisions that that these young men make. I think one of the great decisions that the NCAA has made is that for all of the spring athletes, they're going to grant them another season. Now, how many guys and girls are going to want to stick around for another year, but the fact that their seasons have been completely wiped from from competition, I think was a really good thing, and they, they made that announcement early on um, so that those people can have an opportunity, if they wish, to play another year of collegiate athletics. Well, guys, this could have been the Jersey hardwood because we talked all basketball and had a lot to talk about for, for the most part anyway. But, uh, you know, we did we did end that because this season had ended. So we figured it had to be this fi- finale. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going to be back on more sports now, uh, the podcast now for, uh, you know, the next uh, we'll put a schedule together, guys, because, look, we got a little bit of time and. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's just as simple as calling in. So uh, we're going to put a schedule together because there's a lot to talk about. We can get into, you know, the Devils, Matt, and uh, what the NHL is going to do. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, his injury, what's going on with baseball, all these sports and what their plans are moving forward. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of news. We talk about Tom Brady. I think that's a uh, you know good theater right there on what what's going to happen there. Will Belichick? Uh, be still successful with the Patriots. What what will uh, Brady do down with Tampa Bay? I mean, it's it's actually a really good story there. And then w- will football be affected by all this? Which I which I said at the top of the show. So we, we're going to find you, out about that. I'll tell you one thing is yeah. to, to try and pass the time. As I mentioned, I don't watch the television at all. I've started to uh, you know some of the outlets like ESPN and some of the other ones. They don't really know what to write about or do anything yeah. about, and so they're. Yeah. They're diving headlong into the NFL draft. So yeah, I've been, sure. I've been sure. reading a lot about that. And, you know, that both the Giants and the Jets have picks towards the top. And so, you know, the Giants sit at a spot where they could be one of the move spots where teams might want to move up right. to get a quarterback, although that might, that might be ahead of them. I think Detroit picking at three is a spot where teams might move ahead. Yeah. So that's something to keep your eye on. I know it's not until the end of the month, if they even have it at all. I know they're getting some bad publicity about even having it now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in that respect. But um, 
that was something that I've been keeping my eye on. So we'll just throw everything into the pot, and there's plenty to there's plenty to talk about. So we'll we'll stick to more sports now the more sports now podcast and we'll just uh we'll get that going we'll get a regular schedule going for that and, and we'll be your distraction folks we'll be your distractions uh, moving uh moving forward so uh, i'm steve titchener uh, on the line with uh, matt lachlan and john mcalevy and we'll catch you all certainly next week maybe a little earlier with a lot of sports to talk about bye-bye